Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. So back when I was 17 years old, my family and I, we went to a water park in the Fort Worth area. And while we were at this water park, my mom decided to ride a water slide. Now here's the thing you need to know about my mom. She does not do well with water slides. (laughs) Not because they scare her, but because while she is riding them, she gets easily disoriented. So she rides this water slide, and at the end, you know, it it shoots her out into that pool of water. And when she shot out into that pool of water, she was so disoriented that she didn't know which way was up and which way was down. And so she started swimming down, thinking that she was swimming towards the surface. And when she couldn't find air, naturally she started panicking. So the lifeguard tries to pull her out, but because she thinks down is up and up is down, she thinks that instead of pulling her out that he's trying to hold her down. And so, uh, so she's completely disoriented, completely confused. Thankfully, my dad was there, and, and he saw what was happening. He stepped in and just pulled her out of the water. But what a disorienting experience. So this morning, we're launching into this new series titled Rooted. And, and as we go through this series, we're going to be walking through the book of Colossians. Now, as we think about the world that we're living in, especially the world today, many times the world that we're living in can be very confusing. It can be very disorienting. It it seems like what the world believes and what the world is pushing for us to believe is constantly changing. And, And... and not only that, but, but quite honestly, many times what the world is telling us to believe is that up is down and down is up, right? So what do we do? How do we live our lives with, with truth, with hope, and with stability, stability when the world around us is pure chaos, when the world around us is just tossing us around, confusing us, and, and making things disoriented for us? So let me just give you a simple answer. We are to root our lives in Jesus. We are to root our lives in Jesus. Now that may seem like a very simple answer. So let me just pause right here and give you an overarching truth for this series. And be prepared for me to repeat this each week because you know I like to do that, right? (laughs) The world complicates things for us. The enemy confuses things for us. But God's word makes things clear for us, and God's word points us to Jesus. Let me say that again. The world complicates things for us. The enemy confuses things for us, but God's word makes things clear for us, and God's word points us to Jesus. So Colossians 2, 6 through 7 is where I have pulled the title from this series, uh, for this series from. It says, So then... Just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, being rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, and overflowing with gratitude. 
Where does God's word point us? Where does God's word tell us to root our lives? Jesus. The world complicates things for us. The enemy confuses things for us. But God's word makes things clear for us. And God's word points us to Jesus. It's not complicated. Honestly, it really is quite simple. We are to turn to and we are to root our lives in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. So let me pause right here just for a, a, a moment of personal inventory. As we are starting this series this morning, let me just ask, where would you say that you are currently rooting your life? Where would you say that you are currently rooting your life? And as you examine your own heart, if you would say that you're currently rooting your life in anything other than in Jesus Christ alone, then my prayer for you would be, as we walk through this series together, as we look at God's word together, that, that you would turn from some of these other things, that your life may be fully rooted in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 1 through 8 today. Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Now as you're turning there, let me just set this passage up for you. The book of Colossians is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to uh, the church in Colossae. Uh, and, and so we're going to see that in the introduction of this letter. Also in the introduction of this letter, we see uh, Timothy's name listed here. Uh, however, it's understood that Paul is the author of this letter and Timothy is listed here because of his companionship with Paul in the ministry. Timothy is someone that Paul was discipling, that he was mentoring, that he was raising up for the ministry himself. But what we're going to see in, in Paul's introduction of himself is an identifier. Whereas when I'm out in Stockdale, I might, enter, uh, I might introduce myself to someone as Kevin, I'm the pastor of First Baptist Church Stockdale. What we see here is Paul identifies himself. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Now, quite honestly, it can be very easy to pass by this identifier because quite often when, when we're reading a letter written to us, we don't hang out in the introduction of the letter. We want to get into the heart of the letter. But I think this is important, especially as we are starting a series titled Rooted, talking about being rooted fully in Christ Jesus. I think this identifier is necessary for us to pause at. Because as we think about how Paul identifies himself, first and foremost, Paul identifies himself as who he is in Christ Jesus or in who Christ has called him to be, Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus. Now, as we think about Paul, we know that, that Paul, prior to his conversion, Paul was a Jew, and he wasn't just any Jew. He was a devout Jew. He studied the law. He knew the law. And because of his devotion to the law, Paul hated Christians and even participated in their killings. But Paul's identity was not rooted in his past, Paul also was a tent maker. During his missionary journeys, as he's working alongside others in order to support himself, and in order for these others in their missionary journeys to support themselves, they made tents. This is how they earned a living wage. But Paul's identity was also not rooted in his profession. 
When Paul identified himself, he, his identity was rooted in who he was in Christ Jesus or in who Christ had called him to be. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. So let me pause right here and ask, where is your identity rooted? Where is your identity rooted? Is it rooted in your past, in the sins you've committed, in the bad decisions that you've made? Is it rooted in your profession, in your day-to-day job, in the place that you are earning a living? Maybe it's rooted in, in other places like your money, your politics, or your stuff. Where is your identity rooted? And let me encourage you, like Paul, to, to find your identity, to root your identity in none other than in what Christ has called you to be. To, to root your identity in, in what Christ considers you to be as a believer. And the reason this is important is because I believe that being rooted in Christ Jesus begins with knowing who we are in Christ Jesus. Being rooted in Christ Jesus begins with knowing who we are in Christ Jesus. Listen, if you are a believer, then you are not your past. Now, the enemy may want to remind you of your past, maybe even on a daily basis, but you are not your past. If you've given your life to Christ, then you are a new creation. You're also not your job. You're not your money. You're not your stuff. You're not your politics. All of those things are are places that this world turns to in order to find fulfillment and in order to find their identity. But as a believer, your identity is to be rooted in Christ Jesus. You're not your past. You're not your profession. You're not your belongings. You are a believer. And when we understand that, when we understand that we are a follower of Jesus Christ and that our identity is rooted in him, when we understand that, then and only then then do we have a foundation that we can build on. Now, if you've never given your life to Christ, then then your identity very very well may be rooted in some of those other things because you have not yet received that new identity in Jesus Christ. But understand, God's desire is that you would turn from those other things, that you would turn from your sins, that you would turn to Jesus, that he might make you a new creation, that he might give you a new identity in him, that your life might be firmly rooted in Jesus Christ alone. With that in mind, let's read Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. It says, Paul... An apostle of Jesus by uh, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints in Christ at Colossae who are faithful brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. You have already heard about this hope in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. It is bearing fruit and growing all over the world just as it has among you since the day you heard it and came to truly appreciate God's grace. You learned this from Epaphras, our dearly loved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf 
and he has told us about your love in the Spirit. Now, as we start off this passage, I want to, uh, I want to begin with those words that we see in verse 3 in the beginning of verse 4. It says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Now, it's believed that Paul wrote this letter to the church in Colossae while he was in prison. And so word of the faith of this church had made its way to Paul. And, and, and at one point in time, the, this church was strong in their faith. But at this point in time, the church is vulnerable. They were, they were vulnerable to deception. And so Paul is going to address some of that deception in this letter as we look at the book of Colossians. But, but ultimately, whether they're vulnerable to deceptions or not, this is still a church filled with people with a faith in Jesus Christ. These are individuals. This is a church filled with people that have responded to the gospel, turning from their sins and allowing Jesus Christ to be the Lord of their lives. And, and because of that, Paul hears about their faith. Paul hears about their love for the saints and his heart and his prayer is filled with thankfulness. So let me pause right here and say this. And I want to say this about our church. My, my desire for our church as your pastor is that we would be a church that causes other believers to give thanks. That we would be a church that causes other believers to give thanks. And this is what I mean. That others might hear about the work that God is doing in our lives that, that others might hear about the work that God is doing in our community, that they might see the faithfulness to God's word. And, and that as they hear and they see this faithfulness, as they see the service, as they see the mission from our lives, as they see us handling the gospel rightfully in this community, that, that their hearts and their prayers would be filled with thankfulness. And let me just say that, that this is currently happening so earlier this week i had the opportunity to uh, meet and go out to lunch with one of your former pastors pastor jeff berger he was uh, the pastor of this church from 1998 to 2001 and so he had been at a retreat in san antonio and he was driving uh, through town to go back home and he stopped by the church and we were able to grab lunch together and just get to know each other but one of the things that he shared with me during our lunch is that because of the world of social media that we live in, he's able to see all that God is doing right now here in Stockdale and here at, at First Baptist Church Stockdale. And, and so as he's praying for us, he says, man, I'm so thankful to see what God is doing right now at First Baptist Church Stockdale. I'm thankful to see the movement of God there. But beyond Jeff Berger praying for us. Beyond Jeff Berger being thankful for us, I want you to know that there is an entire church in Watauga, Texas, that is praying for us and that is thankful for the work that God is doing here. If you don't know, uh, First Baptist Watauga is where I, uh, where I came from. I was there for uh, nearly 11 years. And so, uh, so I frequently hear from members of that church. We see what God is doing there in Stockdale, Texas. We see what God is doing at First Baptist Church Stockdale. And we are praying for you guys. And we are so thankful to see how God is moving. And man, let me just say that God has richly blessed this church in the nine months since I've been here as your pastor. I just celebrated nine months the other day. 
on the 18th. Uh, and what an exciting time this is to see our children's ministry and our youth ministry just thriving on Wednesday nights, to see all of these kids here on Sunday mornings going over to children's church, growing and learning in God's word, to see on Sunday mornings children passing out bulletins, being a part of worship with us. This is an exciting time here at First Baptist Church Stockdale, and I'm so thankful that we get to be a part of the work that God is doing. And I want this to continue. I want I want us to continue in our faithfulness to the Lord. I want us to continue in our faithfulness to the gospel. I want us to continue in our faithfulness to be on mission in this community, in the surrounding communities and beyond. I want us to continue doing what God has called us to do, that we might continue to see lives transformed as people are turning from, from their sins, coming to know the Lord. I want us to continue seeing all of this happen. And, and, and as God continues to work, my desire is that other believers will see what God is doing here and that their hearts and their prayers would be filled with gratitude for the work that God is doing right here in Stockdale, Texas. Now, let me also say this about the church in Colossae. We really don't see much about the Colossian church other than here in this letter that Paul wrote to the Colossian church. We see a few allusions to the Colossian church in the book of Philemon. But, but really the reason that we even hear about the Colossian church is because Epaphras, he likely responded to the gospel uh, as Paul was preaching in Ephesus. Epaphras likely responded to the gospel and then took the gospel to the Colossian church, to Colossae. And so essentially, the gospel is what put Colossae on the map for us. Had it not been for Epaphras' faithfulness to the gospel, had it not been for his willingness to go and share, and, and, and had it not been for the work that God began to do in Colossae, we likely never would have heard of the Colossian church or Colossae. The gospel is what put Colossae on the map for us. So I've said this before, but as Sarah and I began sharing with people up in the Fort Worth area that God was calling us to move down here to Stockdale, people had no idea what we were talking about. They thought we were either moving to Scottsdale, Arizona, or Fort Stockton, Texas. Right? They, they had no idea where Stockdale, Texas was. Now this may be a town that we know and love, but we understand this is a small town, and, and and many people outside of this town don't know about Stockdale, Texas. So here's my prayer for this town and for this church. That because of our faithfulness to the gospel and because of the work that, that God is doing here in Stockdale, that as we continue to share the gospel with our friends, with our family members, with our co-workers, with our neighbors, as we are faithful with the gospel and as God continues to do a work in the lives of people in this town, that the gospel would put Stockdale, Texas on the map. In, in other words, that people near and far would hear about Stockdale, Texas, not because of our watermelons, but because of our Lord. That, that there would be such a growth in this town, that the harvest would be the people. We want the watermelons. The watermelons are good. We're going to have the Jubilee this summer, right? But we want the harvest of the people, of the souls. 
Now, that may sound somewhat fantastical, but I, I'm just crazy enough that I believe that God is big enough to do that. I believe that the gospel is powerful enough to do that, and that if we will continue to be faithful with the gospel, that God can do such a mighty work in this church and in this town, that such a revival can come, that, that God would put Stockdale on the map because of our faithfulness with the gospel. And so as we think about the gospel, what Paul refers to as the word of truth here, there are three things that we see that the gospel produces that I want you to walk away with today. First, the gospel produces faith. The gospel produces faith. So Paul says that, that what he has heard about the church in Colossae is he has heard about their faith. And then later on in verse 5, we find out that, that their faith is a result of the gospel coming to them. This is what I just shared, that Epaphras took the gospel to them. And as the gospel came to them, they began to turn from their sins and they began to, to come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. The gospel produces faith. Understand, if you are here today and you have given your life to Christ, if you would say, I am a believer I've turned from my sins. I've made Jesus Christ my Lord. Understand, that is a result of the gospel. At some point in time, the gospel came to you. And, and of course, the gospel might have come to each of us at different times in our lives. Maybe you were a child when you first heard the gospel. Maybe it was in Sunday school or vacation Bible school. But the gospel came to you, and as the gospel came to you, you responded. You turned from your sins, and you made Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe you were a teenager when the gospel came to you. Maybe it was through a youth group or maybe it was through youth camp. And the gospel came to you and you heard the gospel and you responded to the gospel. You turned from your sins and you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. You came to that faith in Jesus Christ. Still others, some of you may have been an adult when the gospel came to you. Or maybe you had heard the gospel many times before, but it was as an adult that, that your ears and your heart were finally open to the truth of the gospel. And it was at that time as an adult that you responded to the gospel and you came to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. Understand, regardless of when you came to faith in Christ, it is as a result of the gospel coming to you. The gospel produces faith. So with that in mind, let me say this. We don't have to add flash to the gospel. We don't have to add flavor to the gospel. We just need to be faithful with the gospel. So in our culture today, especially in our entertainment culture, it can be very tempting for us to try and make the gospel more appealing. And so we do this by trying to add flash. We think, well, maybe if we can just make the gospel exciting for people, then people will come to this saving faith in Jesus Christ. Or are we trying to do this by adding flavor to it? Maybe if I make the gospel more palatable for people, they will come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. But the reality is, is that if people come to faith in anything other than in the true gospel, then one, they have placed their faith in a false gospel. And two, they have a faith that has not produced salvation in their lives. But when we are faithful with the true gospel, when we're faithful with the gospel and people respond to the gospel, then a true faith is produced by the gospel. We don't have to add 
flash to the gospel. We don't have to add flavor to the gospel. We just need to be faithful with the gospel. And when we are faithful with the gospel, the gospel produces faith. And so I understand that in a room this size, there may be someone here today that has not yet responded to the gospel, that has not yet placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And so understanding that the gospel produces faith, let me just share the basic gospel with you right now. We have all sinned, every single one of us. And our sin at its core is disobedience to a holy and just and perfect God. God is so holy, God is so just, he is so perfect that our sin is incredibly detestable. It doesn't matter how big you think your sin is or how small you think your sin is. Our sin is detestable to a holy and just God. And because of that, there is a penalty that is required of our sin. That penalty is death. Death is what you and I deserve. Death is what you and I owe. But God, in his great love for us, sent Jesus Christ into this world to go to the cross to die for your sins and mine, to bear the weight of that penalty that you and I owe upon himself. He went, went to that cross. He died on that cross. He was buried in a tomb, and three days later, he rose victorious. He is alive and reigning right now. And if we will turn from our sins, turning to Jesus Christ, confessing him as Lord, we will be saved. That is the basic gospel. And if you've never responded to the gospel, then my prayer is that today would be the day that your heart and that your ears are open to the truth of the gospel and that faith might be produced in your life. And I know that it can happen because the gospel produces faith. Second, the gospel produces hope. Let's read the second part of verse 5 and the first part of verse 6 again. It says, you have already heard about this hope in the word of truth the gospel that has come to you. The gospel produces hope. Now, the hope that the gospel produces in the life of the believer isn't just any hope. It, it isn't a hope in the things of this world that can be easily lost. The, the hope that, that the gospel produces in the life of the believer is an unending hope. It is an eternal hope. So earlier this week, this was all over the news. But for the first time in 10 years, Netflix began losing subscribers. And, and Netflix lost, their stock dropped 35%, wiping out $54 billion in market value. And of course, this has all of the top executives scrambling. What are we going to do now? Listen, for the believer, our hope is not in temporary things. Our hope is not in something that can be wiped out. We don't have to scramble. We are secure because our faith is in Jesus Christ who does not change. So let me pause right here and say this. When you hope in temporary things, you have a temporary hope. But when your hope is in Jesus Christ, the eternal one, you have a hope that will endure. When you hope in temporary things, you have a temporary hope. But when your hope is in Jesus Christ, the eternal one, you have a hope that will endure. And the hope that we have as believers, it is a hope for this life because our hope is in Jesus Christ who does not change even when the world around us might change. But it is also a hope for the next life, for eternity, because we have a hope 
that, that is in salvation that has been produced in our lives through faith when we responded to the gospel. We have an, an ending hope. We have an eternal hope. So let me pause right here and ask, where is your hope today? Where is your hope today? Is it in the things of this world, the, the things that can be wiped out? Is it in your money, in your profession, or in your things? Or is it securely rooted in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone? And my prayer for you is that your hope would not be in the things of this world, the things that can be wiped out, but that you would have a hope securely in Jesus Christ because it is a hope that can never be lost. Even when the things in this world are lost, that hope in Jesus Christ can never be lost. It is a hope that is produced in our lives through the gospel. So the gospel produces faith. The gospel produces hope. Finally this morning, the gospel produces fruit. Let's look at the rest of verse 6 again. It says, referring to the gospel, it says, It is bearing fruit and growing all over the world just as it has among you since the day you heard it and came to truly appreciate God's grace. The gospel produces fruit. Now the fruit that Paul is referring to here when he says the gospel produces fruit is not the fruit of the Spirit or the fruit that's produced in the life of the believer, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The, the fruit is, that Paul is talking about is not that fruit. Paul is talking about the fruit of salvation in people's lives, the fruit of people turning from their sins and coming to know Jesus as their Lord. So just a few weeks ago, as we were wrapping up our series, Who We Are, we were talking about our call to go, and we looked at that passage uh, where Jesus has this encounter with the woman at the well, and, and then we talked about Jesus' interaction with the disciples regarding the Samaritans. And, and as Jesus talks to the disciples about the Samaritans, because Jews hated Samaritans, as, as Jesus talks about the Samaritans to the disciples, he invites the disciples to look up and to see the Samaritans as the harvest. He says, open your, open your eyes and look at the fields because they are ready for harvest. The reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life. And so Paul's letter to the Colossians is a reminder to us once again to look at people in our lives not through an earthly lens, but through an eternal lens. To begin seeing our friends, our family, our neighbors, our co-workers, our community. Not simply as people, but to see them as the harvest. And that we might share the gospel with them. That, that the fruit of salvation might be produced in their lives as well. The gospel produces fruit. And if you're here today and you've given your life to Christ, if the fruit of salvation has been produced in your lives, then I would ask, would you make this commitment with me to see Stockdale, Texas, the surrounding communities, wherever God might send us, would you make this commitment to see people as the harvest that we might be faithful in sharing the gospel with all that we might encounter that the fruit of salvation might come to their lives. As we think about my desire to, to, 
to see people overflowing with thankfulness, as we think about this desire to, to see people continuing to come to know Christ, it's only going to happen if we are faithful with the gospel because the gospel produces fruit. Now, if you're here today and you would say the fruit of salvation has never come to your life because you have never responded to the gospel, you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, then I want to give you the opportunity to respond right now. And so in just a moment, we're going to sing another song. And as we sing this song, if you're here today and you would say, that's me, I've never given my life to Christ. Maybe you've come to church before, but you've never given your life to Christ before. Maybe you've never responded to the gospel, but today you have heard that you have sinned and that your sin requires a penalty and that Jesus paid that penalty for you and that he, is, he rose again, he's alive and well, and today you are ready to turn from your sins. You are ready to confess Jesus as Lord. If you're ready to make that decision today, then I would invite you, respond. Respond to the gospel today. I'm going to be standing right down front as we sing. Step out of your seat. Come and join me down here. Let's talk. Let's pray. Today, the fruit of salvation can come to your heart. And maybe you're here and you would say, you've given your life to Christ already, but you've not taken that next step of baptism yet, to publicly confess Jesus as Lord through baptism. If you've never done that, this is what God calls all believers to do. I don't care how long you've come to church here, if you've never taken that step of baptism, you've given your life to Christ, but you need to declare him as Lord through that act of obedience, respond today. We've got four baptisms on the schedule already. Let's get you on the schedule too. Let's make that commitment together today. And maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ. I've been baptized by immersion already. And I've been visiting First Baptist Church Stockdale. I know that God's calling me to make this my church home, to, to come and unite my life or my family's life with this church body so that we can be on mission together, so that we can share the gospel together, so that we can see the fruit of the harvest together. If God's calling you to join this church body, then I would invite you to respond as well. You can come and talk with me. We can pray together. And today you can become a member here at First Baptist Church Stockdale. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do in these final moments today, I would simply encourage you to respond obediently. Would you stand with me right now? Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond. And I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.